Today we continue with Jesus and the leper. And we are going to look at deliverance from the flesh. Everybody say deliverance from the flesh. Deliverance simply means that you are in bondage. It means that you are held captive. And the truth is, many are in bondage and are held captive by the flesh. So we'll look at deliverance from the flesh. Our text still remains Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we took, or rather, we, yes, we took an example of Jesus going about doing good in Matthew chapter 8, which is the story of Jesus and the leper, verses 1 through to 4. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. We've explained this passage many times, but for the sake of those who are listening for the first time, I'll just run through very quickly and tell you that the Bible is a very interesting book. The Bible prescribes how lepers were to be cleansed and that prescription we find in Leviticus chapter 14 from verses 1 through to 8 and I explained that when Jesus healed the leper here seemingly different from what you had in Leviticus um, 14 1 to 8 it's not really so what you see Jesus doing here saying I will be thou clean and he touched him and the Bible says immediately the leprosy was cleansed is a fulfillment of Leviticus Chapter 14, verses 1 to 8. Because in Leviticus 14, 1 to 8, what you actually have is the story of Jesus. Leviticus 14, 1 to 8 is a shadow of the real thing. So that the prescription in Leviticus 14 speaks so clearly about the crucifixion of Jesus. The two birds, two birds, one bird was to be killed under running water. The other bird was to be set free. The bird that is killed is Jesus. The bird that is set free is still Jesus in his resurrection state. Now, all of that which you find in Leviticus 14, I'm not going to read it again, 1 to 8, is a fulfillment of what you see in Matthew 8, 1 to 4. Leviticus 14 speaks of Jesus going to the cross. And because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, when you see him in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, what you're actually seeing is Jesus putting into place all that you have in Leviticus 14. Now we explained that when Jesus went to the cross, there were nine exchanges that took place at the cross. And I'd like us to keep those nine exchanges at the back of our minds, because one of these days we'll come in for digging deep and we'll have an exam instead of digging deep. And I will call out your names and your marks as we give out the papers later. So, for those of us who don't want to be disgraced, uh let's take this thing seriously. One, Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin that we might be made righteous with the righteousness of God. Jesus died our death that we might share his life. 
He was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty so that we might become rich. Jesus bore our shame that we might share in his glory. He endured our rejection that we might enjoy his acceptance. And our old man died in Jesus that the new man might live in us. Now last Wednesday, we moved from the nine exchanges to the fact that in addition, you see the exchanges speak of what Jesus has done for you and I. But then the cross does something else. The cross provides for us deliverance. And the deliverance speaks of what the cross is to do in you. Not as much as what Jesus has done for you. And unless you can allow the cross to do something in you, you will never really touch that which God has done for you. So if you want all the nine exchanges, you must let the cross do its work in you. And we spelled out the deliverances. We said the first deliverance is deliverance from this present evil age. Deliverance from the law, deliverance from self, deliverance from the flesh, and deliverance from the world. Today, I want us to spend some time and look at deliverance from the flesh. We'll do the world, the, the law, and the self later. Now, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Galatians 5.24, I'll read the New King James Version. It says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the flesh has passions and desires. What is the flesh? That's a good question. It does not mean your skin. The flesh really refers to one, that old man, the Adamic nature and the way it expresses itself through us. Remember we talked about the old man, and we explained that the old man represents our sinful nature, that the old man is the rebel that can never obey God. The flesh and the old man are closely linked together. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, and its passions and desires. So that tells us that if you are a Christian, if you belong to Christ, your flesh ought to be crucified. If it is not crucified, then you do not belong to Christ. Simple. It says those who are Christ, that's the word of God, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lost King James versions, New King James says, with his passions and desires, which is more expressive of what the flesh does. Now let's look at the works of the flesh. Everybody say the works of the flesh. Turn to Galatians chapter 5 again. Galatians chapter 5 from verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, 
revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This letter is to a born-again Christian church. So do they have all of these problems? Yes. The New King James Version puts it this way. Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, it can be seen. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This list that we have just read, there's not one good thing in that list. In other words, the flesh is incapable of being good. Everybody say, the flesh is incapable of being good. It's impossible. The flesh cannot do anything good. Look at all the works of the flesh. Let's break those works down into four different categories. Category number one is sexual impurity. Everybody says sexual impurity. Why am I out so heavy? Everybody says sexual impurity. One more time. Everybody says sexual impurity. Sexual impurity includes fornication. Sexual impurity includes licentiousness, that is indecency. And fornication covers every kind of sexual immorality, including premarital sex. Premarital sex means when you are sleeping with somebody, when you are not married. If I ask now, how many people have slept with somebody who are here who are not married? Everybody will lie. Premarital sex. You are not supposed to have sex if you are not married. That's why it's called premarital sex. Adultery is the breaking of the marriage covenant. Homosexuality, lesbianism, and every other type of perversion. That's what you have under sexual impurity. And the truth is, the Bible says those who practice all of those things, it includes pornography. So those who practice those things will not enter into the kingdom of God. So if you read pornographic magazines, for example, you might be able to still speak in tongues, but you will not arrive in heaven. You will not arrive in heaven. So it does not matter what people say about homosexuals, that that's how God made them. The Bible says God said he didn't make them that way. So if you are here, you have homosexual tendencies, you need deliverance. And today you will get deliverance. I'll show you how. All those who practice lesbianism, they need deliverance. They will not arrive in heaven. It doesn't matter how good. You might know the whole Bible from the beginning to the end. You still will not arrive in heaven. That's what the word of God says. It says all those who do these things will not enter into the kingdom of God. Pure and simple. So it doesn't matter if they give them license to marry abroad or not. It doesn't matter if they make them pastors in other churches abroad. 
they will not arrive in heaven. And if your pastor is a homosexual, you can imagine that the congregation is leading, they all are going in one direction. You can't, can't go in a different direction from your head. Group two, the occult. In group two, we have the second categories of the works of the flesh, which the Bible says idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft. Let me break it down to a simple level that we can all understand. It is wanting to know tomorrow. Everybody say, wanting to know tomorrow. You see, the flesh desires to know tomorrow. Desires to know tomorrow so badly. And many people in church, born again Christians, under the guise of prophecy, want to know tomorrow. People will like it because just come and tell you that, ah, I can see you that this month there's a huge contract standing before you. You are going to become very wealthy. But they never tell you how. It is the desire. It's when you want to know tomorrow, you want to have control over the future. You are looking for some form of power. That's what takes young men into the lodge or secret societies where they promise them that they'll be able to help them. They guarantee your future. Nobody can guarantee your future except God. Many are captivated by the occult because they want to find out things that God has not permitted us to know. And those of us who have mothers and aunties, that your auntie that sent you a message and said, ah, they say that this month, oh, don't do this, don't do that. And please send some money to give the prophet. And you have sent the money. You are looking for trouble. You are looking for what? Yes. God has not permitted you to know tomorrow. If you want to know tomorrow, who has tomorrow in his hands? It's God. God has tomorrow in his hands. And if he hasn't permitted you, what you will get is a glimpse. It will never be tomorrow. And you put you in trouble. Going to a fortune teller, or if you go abroad, they have this who do tarot, tarot cards all over the place. Those things can put the number of demons on you that nobody can solve. I know some of you have been there. Some of you still read horoscopes. How many people still read horoscopes here? Yeah. <laughs> Don't read horoscopes. Stupid things. It's time to tell you what will happen that day. How will they know? It is just the flesh that desires to have an inclination of what tomorrow will be like. The Bible has told us that tomorrow will be all right. And that's what God wants you to hold. That's enough so that you can walk the walk of faith with him. Group three, divisions. Everybody say divisions. In group three, you have the longest list of problems that Paul puts together. And they speak of only one thing, divisions, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy. All of those things speak of divisions. Because people just take the simple thing of envy. Sister A 
went to shop, bought her things, and is wearing them by herself. Sister B, who cannot afford it, is very angry. Poor Sister A does not even know that you are angry. And you go around saying nasty things about the person. That you are sure that the man who gave the money to her does 419. He's an advanced free fraudster. Meanwhile, you don't know the person. Just because of envy. That all of those things bring about what? Divisions. And God does not like those things. They are the works of the flesh. Every broken personal relationship, everything that divides homes and families, every kind of division in the body of Christ is a product of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. So if you see people in this church who come and tell you nasty things about other people, just tell them, go and crucify your flesh. Because people who carry those kind of stories around the whole place, creating problems, they are very carnal Christians. Group 4 speaks of self-indulgence. Everybody says self-indulgence. The fourth and final category, Paul lists as drunkenness, revelries, and the like. This refers to the unrestrained indulgence of our appetite. Like now we are fasting. Some people who are just used to they cannot bear to see food. The, the fast collapse, collapses immediately they see food. The food has become your God. And there are people who drink, Christians who still drink, they can never stop drinking. But today you will stop in Jesus' name. Amen. Anything that I do that just gives me pleasure and everything else must stand aside because of that thing, is a problem. It is something that brings about self-indulgence. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and bring it under subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. New King James Version. So what should we do to help that state of self-indulgence? We ask the Holy Spirit for help. We ask the Holy Spirit for help. The NIV of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but, of a, but a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. That's the NIV. So the Holy Spirit helps to impose what? Self-discipline. And today it will impose self-discipline. The interesting thing to understand about your flesh is that it is the enemy within. Everybody say the enemy within. The enemy within. It is there. And the enemy within will always destroy you. Because already gained access to you. Knows you well. And this is one battle that we cannot afford to lose. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7 verse 18. Romans chapter 7 verse 18. Let's read together. One, two, go. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Here Paul tells us that he knows that in his flesh dwelleth 
no good thing. There's not one good thing about your flesh. One of the key things, the first thing that Paul paints is a picture of sexual impurity. That is, the flesh is just a very... One, so when, you, when you're talking about the flesh, you're actually talking on a very high level about sex. That's one of the things that the flesh loves. It just loves sex. Everybody say sex. It's heavy in your mouth. That's one of the problems of the flesh. Paul says, I know that in me dwells no good thing. He says, I know what I ought to do. I desire to do it, but I never end up doing it. It's like the story of the sister I told you about who had this Christian sister and the Christian, well, the brother is Christian in quotes. They were always sleeping with each other. They were not married. But after they finished having sex, the sister would cry as if somebody died. First day, the man was afraid. She would go away. She would come back. They would have sex again. She would cry. Ah, so the man said, this girl, there's something wrong with you. And drove her away. Whether she cries or not is not the issue. She ought not to be there. And I'm going to show you how. So Paul says there's a struggle that goes on in him. He knows the things that he should do. For in me, for I know that in me there that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. There are Christians who take bribes. You get up in the morning, you know I'm going to take bribe that day. You know and you don't want to take the bribe, but your hand just cannot help itself. You think of all the things that you can afford if you take that bribe, and you take the bribe. But today, there will be deliverance. This is a battle that everybody must win. You see, what the Bible says, one work of the flesh found in you, you and God will not arrive in the same place. So the works of the flesh alive in us means that we are heading in a different direction from God. So it's not just fun. It's not something I want us to smile about. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 6 and 8. 6 to 8. Let's read that together. 1, 2, go. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So that tells you one thing, that the people who are in the flesh don't have an ounce of faith. Because the Bible says also that for without faith, you cannot please God. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. So people in the flesh, carnal Christians, haven't got one iota of faith. Not even the mustard seed kind. So what must we do? Everybody say, what must we do? The simple truth is the flesh has to be put to death. You have to administer death to the flesh. The good news is that God has already done so. That was done 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man 
was crucified with him, Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. It is a historical fact that your flesh was crucified when Jesus went to the cross. Because the Bible says your old man was crucified with Jesus. Look at Romans 6, 11. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have a response. It says, reckon yourself. See yourself. Count yourself. As dead to sin. That's why I said, take that scripture that says, sin shall not have dominion over you. It's the word of God. Hold on to it. Every word of God you find in the Bible that you hold on to must come to life eventually. So if there's something that is bugging my life, then I've got to make sure that I hold on to that word that says, sin shall not have dominion over me. And as you hold on to it, that thing will gradually, gradually live. That's how powerful the word of God is. Now, this is a fact which you and I must by faith, just as you believe that you are born again, so you must believe that God has crucified your flesh. He doesn't want you to do anything about your flesh. The only thing that will work with the flesh, as far as God is concerned, is that the flesh should be destroyed. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 4. Let me explain something about the crucifixion of the flesh and your own part in that matter today. First Peter chapter 4. Let's read together verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. 1, 2, go. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. It says, Jesus Christ has done what? Suffered for us in the flesh. It is, arm yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Put on your mental ability with that same mind that Jesus had when he suffered. In other words, the destruction of the flesh is something that involves what? Suffering. Now let me give you a good example and I'll tell you the reason why. Because this is a very serious example. And um, it's something that I had actually been involved in. As I was writing it down, I remembered somebody that was in this situation that I counseled. And I now wondered what happened to that person because it created a lot of problems then. Let me give you an example. Take a young lady. This is the problem of Christendom of about 35 who wants to marry. Meets Mr. Adonis in church who speaks Christianese, but is not a Christian. There are some men who are here to come and have fun with girls. They are not Christians. But God will arrest them today. Amen. And they will become Christians. Amen. And so, 
sister 35, as I will call her, is worried because, according to her, her biological clock is ticking. And Mr. Adonis says he loves her, he loves God. But the pastor says to her, this man is not a Christian. He is a child of the devil. So she has what? A very difficult decision to make. The flesh will say to her, I am in love. To crucify that flesh that is speaking, she has to say, I love Jesus more. Do you understand? She has to be able to say, I love Jesus more. Then the flesh will say to her, her, I want to have a home and children. She has to be able to say to that flesh, I love Jesus more. The flesh will say, finally to her, I'm afraid of being lonely, spending all the rest of my life alone. She has to still say, I love Jesus more. As I was writing this down, I remembered a young lady who was about to get married. Wedding date set, invitation sent out, wedding dress bought, rings brought, everything set. And she now came to me for counseling. By the time we talked a while, I said, this guy, you can't marry this guy. But I didn't know that everything, people had even traveled from abroad for the wedding. So I said, okay, let us pray a simple prayer. She was a good person because she prayed the prayer. Each time I, I started using that prayer as a formula. Each time I see somebody who is in a problem, I say, let us pray this prayer. That, Lord, if this is not you, scatter this thing. But scatter it in such a way that it won't cause me pain. I know a number of women I said to, they just say, they are not praying that prayer. But she prayed that prayer. And she gave back the ring to the gentleman and didn't marry the gentleman. And her mother came to see me and said, what kind of pastor are you? What kind of advice are you giving? It was a big problem. And he, after that, year one, no husband. Year two, nobody even looked at the girl's direction again. And it's about five, six years down the line now. So as I was writing this, I just remembered her and listened carefully to me. So I called somebody who knew her and I said, do you know where this lady is? And she said, yes. I said, how is she? Is she married? He said, yes now. I said, and she didn't tell me. Ah. So I called her. She said, ah, pastor, I'm married. I have two children. I have a lovely husband. I have two beautiful children. I said, and then he decided of relief. I said, ah, thank God. But she took the right decision. Because the other way is, you say, okay, I'm lonely. I want to have children. You marry, and they say, as I always say, marriage is always an eye opener. And what happens? You find the man in his true colors. And after a while, you are sharing him with all the girls in Lagos. And then one day, after 10 years, maybe after three children, he just gets up and walks away and says he's divorcing. Which one is worse? It's better to be on one's own than to follow a demon. Because there are many men who are demons. They're not men. Now, the advantage of all of this for us is this. I'm very sure in my mind that everybody who's believing God for a husband, hold God well this month. He's going to arrange that matter. Yeah. So you're not so many now. 
I said, all of you who are believing God for a husband or a wife, hold God well this month. This month, marriages are going to be made in heaven. And they won't be just ordinary marriages. They are marriages made in heaven. That's the word of the Lord to you today. But that's how to crucify the flesh. What is that thing that I want so much? Place it side by side with Jesus. And if you choose Jesus, you're okay. If you choose that thing, God will help you. You've got to be able to choose Jesus. If they are offering you the biggest bribe in the world, you've got to choose Jesus over that bribe. You've got to. Whatever it is that I find I must do, I love doing so much, place it side by side with the Lord. And once you place it by the Lord and you choose the Lord, then that thing begins to die. But the choice, the decision is yours. God has already destroyed that thing. He just wants you to rise and make up your mind that you will go with his own choice and his own decisions for you. Do you understand? So if if I find myself from time to time wanting to drink, bring Jesus and the drink together and choose Jesus. And if you find that you cannot choose Jesus, then you know you have a major problem. It tells you clearly that you are not a Christian. There ought not to be anything in life that I should choose over and above the Lord. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, what I want us to do today is this. The Holy Spirit, you can't imagine, you cannot imagine how powerful the Holy Spirit is and how much he is willing to help us get into the habit, I keep telling people, of talking to the Holy Spirit. Know his names and just keep speaking to him. Keep asking for help. That's what he is. His primary assignment is that of helper. So what are those things that we find are a problem in life? We want to set them aside, but we can't. They might even be friends. They might be relations. It might even be your place of work. I mean, I remember somebody who at place of work was being harassed so much. I said, why don't you leave the work? He said, this is bad advice the pastor has given me. And the person left the church instead. So the person chose the work over who? Jesus. That ought not to be so. There should be nothing in life that we should want more than God. Because God is the one who sustains us. He is our source. So what I want us to do today is let's bow our heads before the Lord. And ask the Holy Spirit. Bring that situation, that thing. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Just ask him. Tell him that his name is Comforter. His name is Helper. He is there to help us. Tell him about that situation and ask him today to help. Ask him today to help. And he will help. And he will help. Speak to him. Call him by his names. Tell him that he is your helper and that you need help. Tell him that you are tired of waiting. Tell him all your fears and ask him for help. Ah, he will help you today. He certainly will. Spirit of the living God, we invite you in here today 
Holy Spirit, come, 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 your fullness and your power. Come breathe upon each and every one of us here today. Come, come, Holy Spirit. Come as a comforter today. Come as a helper. You know each and every one of us. Even as we lift up our voices and ask for help, come and help us today. Come and help us. Come and set us free. Come today, deliver us from the snares of the flesh, from the works of the flesh. Come, come, Holy Spirit. We invite you. We invite you into our lives. We say, come, come and help us. Come help us and set us free today from our fears. Come set us free today from the strength of the flesh. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come today. Come and help us. Come and help us. Come and help us. Come do that which only you can do for us. Hallelujah. And so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name. Next, ask the Holy Spirit. Tell him that the word of God says in Romans 6, 14. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Tell him that the word of God says that sin shall not have dominion over you. Ask him therefore for help to crucify the flesh. So that sin will not have dominion over you. Because that is the word of God. And that word can never return void. It must fulfill that to which it is sent. So tell the Holy Spirit today that Romans 8.6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. That sin shall not have dominion over me. O Spirit of the living God, help me, help me today. Grant me enablement and strength to crucify the flesh. For it is written that sin shall not have dominion over me. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Matoze kiza katanayade. Latoza kiza kiza makatanda yade lakata. Nandozo koto zakike li katanda yade. Natazaki bazakatana zeketeri bakata. Maika zakitelena. Ladoze keba li katanda yade. Lazakatana zekeba li katanda yade. Hallelujah. And so shall it be. Spirit of the living God, we invite you, we invite you in here today. Come set each one of us free. Come, come, come and deliver us from the flesh. For it is indeed written that sin shall not have dominion over us. Sin, therefore, today we say shall not have dominion over us. The ability and enablement to crucify the flesh, or to choose Jesus over and above our fleshy desires, grant unto each and every one of us. Glory and honor and dominion will give unto you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So let's hold that expression, hold it before you every day this month, that sin shall not have dominion over me. If you want to take bribe, just say to yourself, sin shall not have dominion over me. I choose Jesus. And see what happens. If you take it seriously, that thing that bothers you will suddenly just melt and die. 
that's how powerful the word of God is. I tell you, I talk from experience. Any word of God you find that you hold on to will do something for you.